0: This is the Sharp End Podcast, a podcast aimed at minimizing future outdoor accidents by way of storytelling—real people sharing real stories. If you value the Sharp End Podcast, please show your support by becoming a Patreon member. Head to patreoncom slash the sharp podcast There are multiple levels you can choose from, and you can do a one-time or monthly donation. I wouldn't be able to continue to produce this show without support from my listeners. This is a really awesome platform that allows you to support projects that you believe in. I'm one person creating the show. I literally am the sharp End podcast. I have no team, no crew editors or makeup artists or fact checkers. It's just me. And I give my personal and free time to produce this show for the sole purpose of minimizing future outdoor accidents. I keep ads to a minimum. I keep my shows short and sweet. I put a lot of love, effort, tears, time, and money into giving guests a platform to share their story and a safe, judgment-free zone so we can all learn from their incident. Please show your support today by becoming a Patreon member. It's almost been one year since I completely severed my ACL while backcountry snowboarding outside of Valdez, Alaska. My ski partner was well below me and out of sight when I heard it snap. I had my Rocky Talkie radio clipped with a shoulder strap on my pack. I held the transceive button and radio down. I injured my knee. I partnered with Rocky Talkie for a reason. These radios are lightweight, durable, and they work in the extreme cold. They have impressive battery life and solid range. I use mine on every single backcountry adventure from rock climbing, hiking, backcountry skiing, and snow machining, even on road trips. Use code SHARPEND To get 10% off these radios at rockytalky.com. On this episode of the Sharpen Podcast, I talk with Joe Lovin, a passionate climber who sustained face injuries from a fall he took in Clear Creek Canyon just outside of Denver, Colorado. I welcome Ian to the show. Please enjoy.
1: First off, I'd like to say thank you for having me on. I love your podcast. A friend recommended it to me just a couple of months ago, and I I like got down the rabbit hole uh, in it during work and stuff, and uh, just thought it'd be a good opportunity to give back to um, the community of climbing. Thank um, you. My name is Joe Lovin. I've been a climber for about four or five years, and I live here in Denver. I work in marketing, um, and despite these, uh, despite this accident that I I've had. Still love getting out to the crag, still like going with friends. My wife, our dog Pepper, um, and I love clipping cams, bolts, whatever you name it. Um, so yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell.
0: Well, so uh, tell us a little bit about what happened. What what time of year was this?
1: Yeah, so this was spring of 2018. And I like to back up and give a little bit of context because I think it, it helps um, with uh, I guess kind of like the motivations and emotions that were, were going on, um, at the moment of my accident. Um, and I got into, I got into climbing fall 2017 and I had a good bit of time on my hands to get into it. I was in college at the time. Um, and I learned, I learned how to climb from my friend at the time who, uh, was of course way more experienced, than I was and um he kind of like set the pace and uh kind of the the context for what I thought climbing was normally because that was my only exposure at the time. Um and my buddy during Thanksgiving he went to a trip in the red um and he like he came back and regaled the stories of of glory and all that he did out there and he talked about this this climb Rochampeau that he like tried but fell off and uh, he said it was 12 a and that he was like, he was really stoked to like make that a goal for him. And I was like, okay, cool. that sounds good to me. Um, and so he enlisted me as his designated belay, um, which <laughs> looking back, like my, not like my knowledge at the time for being a good belayer for, um, uh, for somebody doing a project. It wasn't there. And we were using tube style devices. It's, it's a miracle that nobody got hurt. What that. do you mean a
0: tube? What's a tube style device? <laughs>
1: yeah, a tube style device. So like an ATC um, instead of like a, a device that, that cams or locks. Um, like a Grigory. Yeah, a Grigory or anything else. A jewel, like whatever else you have. Um, and then it came down to shopping. For the route that we wanted well that he wanted to try at the time um and he picked out uh wet dream in clear creek canyon that's at a crag called wall of the 90s and Clear, uh, clear
0: creek canyon that's that's the one that's just outside of denver right
1: yeah you can get to it uh by going through golden golden is like the closest city or idaho springs depending on which side of the canyon you're on um so yeah right next to denver um pretty close to where we were living at the time so you know like pick a project you probably want it to be kind of close to where you're at um and it like turned out to not be a great first uh 12a to try um but he offered to let me take some top rope burns on it and to my surprise i was like oh this is this seems like something that i could maybe do Um, and the top rope attempts turned into lead attempts. And I was like, I was, I was chopping the heel of his boot and eventually like neck and neck with him. And so it kind of, uh, created this competitive spirit between us to, to like be the first one to, to get it or to be the first one to get a 12 a.
0: How shortly after this, like, when did you start climbing? You said pretty recently
1: yeah so i was just like i I, I was in over my head really like started in uh october 2017 i think i I go by like my first mountain project um and uh this this was probably around december january february
0: wow Um, so only a few months and so had you been climbing indoors at all or was this you just started climbing and you like hit the ground running climbing outside
1: yeah. So, um, kind of a hybrid of both, like most of it was in the gym. Um, and I started bouldering, which like, I think probably helped me be able to do these things. Um, like to, to pull the moves on a, on a five twelve, I, you know, it's, it's kind of unusual for, for somebody that, uh, inexperienced to be trying something like that, which therein lies the problem um, I would say of my accident. Um, so yeah, to give you a timeline, it was, uh, October 2017 that I started, started projecting in like November or December. And then my accident happened in May. So that vision carried on until May and we're kind (laughs) of getting, we're kind of getting, uh, getting project burnout on our first project. If you can believe that I think and at the time, I was ticking everything. I was ticking every single attempt, and so I was like able to look back at it. I'm like, I've been, I've tried this 25 times. Maybe it's time to like <laughs> try something else. Um, and that's uh, and then enter the graveyard. So uh, the graveyard had been uh, getting their first ascents put up. Like I don't know, maybe t- 2016, 2017, maybe even earlier than that.
0: And graveyards in Clear Creek Canyon.
1: Yeah, so it's just probably twenty minutes up the uh, up the uh, road from Wall of the '90s, um, and of course, like that was kind of all I was really familiar with at the time. Um, so it was a new uh, crag in terms of like public knowledge because things were just getting published. I think the page was published in January of uh, of 2018, and uh, there there was a handful of twelves on it, and my other buddy uh grant um he was like hey we should get out there because he kind of like got involved with the, the the 12a race too um you know creating creating a constant swell of stoke um and so he invites me to go out there we get out there um and you take like a you take a paved path to get there and there's a paved path and then there's like a hill probably about a hundred 100 foot tall hill that you have to scramble up to get to to the base of like pretty easy access especially today uh to the climbs and we get there we warm up on a couple of climbs Now i jump on a, a climb called hellbender it was uh rated 12b at the time and i really like it to me it feels like there's just one distinct crux and i don't have to like keep things together for a longer time and i'm like oh if i can if i can pull these moves like ah i can i think i can think i can do it so um it took about uh six tries alternatively to (laughs) 25 um that i you know that i still hadn't set wet dream with and uh it was i think two trips that i took to um try and, and send the climb and i was ecstatic you know it all kind of fell into place there's that you know sense of accomplishment and achievement that that climber's high i guess you could say and uh i'd done it i'd won the race um so like i, I lower off i collect, collect collect our draws and i i reached the ground feeling you know pre- pretty invincible pretty proud of myself um which you know if anyone anyone out there has heard the phrase uh pride pride comes before a fall and you know it's coming um so uh we pack up our stuff and even though i had been there before um and although today i would like to blame the lack of like a a well-developed trail there um i just saw that like this uh kind of down climb to the left of the base of the climb like lookers left It looked a little bit more accessible so i start uh i start wandering down that way and i'm you know pretty careful with my with my feet placement and i like had my moves kind of planned out um and i have uh have my like hand on this underclean kind of to steady myself and that rock chose a bad time to exfoliate and just like um just was you know like when you pick up an object and it doesn't it's not as heavy as you expect it to be like that kind of sensation a little bit of adrenaline rushes through my body and i like i look at where i'm about to fall i'm not i'm you know free falling right now um and about like 10 feet away there's a rock that's like five feet tall maybe and i like i don't i don't think it's there anymore i've been back since um And I like try to, I like, I try to aim myself at this rock, um, to avoid falling further down the hill. And this rock also, the base of it is the trail and the trail is only about like a couple feet wide. And it's just like, um, it's that hundred foot like hill beyond that. So I'm like, oh my goodness, like I need to aim for that rock. (laughs) And so you um, don't
0: fall any farther than that rock.
1: Right, so I don't fall any farther than that rock, and i I hit the rock and like just totally lose control when I hit the rock and and I begin spinning um I take like a full 360 and land face first on the trail uh by some miracle like if i if I didn't land on the trail, like I wonder you know what could have happened like I could inches away from falling all the way down to the trail, which <laughs> might have been preferable with how how much of a headache it was to get down on my is own. This, is it it's super steep from yeah, where the rock
0: starts to like the bottom of the, the, or the beginning of the trail is really steep?
1: Yeah, it's one of the steeper approaches, I would say, in, in Clear Creek. So yeah, it's it was not, you know, of course, an ideal place. And no place really is an ideal place to get in a climbing accident. But um, I, uh, I tell people that's how a rock broke from the face. And how I ended up breaking my face on a rock, <laughs> um, and I didn't—I didn't lose consciousness uh, immediately. I'm like, "Ooh, that's a concussion." Like, I had a—I a, had one concussion before that, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's a concussion." Um, immediately, like, the light is so bright, and I'm like, oh, "I'm like, I sit up right away," and my buddy Grant, who um, who is an EMT now, uh, and aspiring at the time like he knew like a little bit of how to assess my injuries um and like okay like it doesn't seem like he has any any spinal injuries um it does seem like he has a concussion you know um and grant if you're listening to this thank you so much you've helped me through a lot buddy (laughs) um and we make the decision to um take the walk out and uh excuse me we we uh, make make the decision to um to walk out I think that like I'm able to do it um and I asked him about my face I remember I'm like oh, dude something doesn't feel right about my face he's like it looks right it looks all right like it doesn't it doesn't seem right um and I also decided to like I asked him to like hold my hand so I can like kind of navigate out of there because I couldn't I didn't want my eyes open it was like way too bright to even just to like see anything so he's he's kind of guiding me uh down the pretty uh chassis and loose path back down to the paved path and all the way back uh from the paved path we finally get to the car after an approach that it felt like forever um we get in the car i like and the first thing I do is I pull down the mirror and I look at my face and I'm like, Oh, it wasn't okay. <laughs> like it looked like it had sunken in and I like, I touched it. There wasn't much pain. Uh, but it felt like <laughs> the bones were floating around in there. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So we immediately go to urgent, urgent care, which although I'm grateful for the help, um, like they, you know they weren't they weren't really able to to help for what i need and i needed a hospital so there's an urgent care right there off of highway six kind of in golden I, it's it's by uh formerly earth Trek's movement now um and they 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 kind of give me some painkillers and um they reach out to saint anthony's because they're like hey you need to take care of this so that's where we go. St. Anthony's. What part
0: of your face did you impact? Like, what part of your face do you feel like was floating or unstable?
1: Right. So um, it was it was kind of like the right side of my face, uh, and I was spinning clockwise. So the right side of my face while spinning clockwise, kind of like... Hit um, the rock. Yeah, I hit the rock on the right side of my face. Um, like
0: on your cheekbone?
1: Yeah. So the exact diagnosis was like, you broke your, well, you got a concussion one. (laughs) Um, you broke your orbital, uh, your zygomatic arch and your upper mandible. So basically like the, you know, that thin bone that, that, uh, gives your, your eye socket structure on the outside. Um, your zygomatic arch, that's basically like your cheekbone and your, and your upper mandible is like above your, your upper jaw, your Your teeth right there underneath your cheekbone um that's that's what the MRI revealed and uh from there we determined that I'd need surgery well they asked if I needed surgery if I would like want to get surgery and it seemed like a funny question of course like you need to give consent but I was like I don't I don't see what other choice I have (laughs) um because otherwise it's just these bones floating around in in your head until they're not um so in comes the, in comes the doctor, Dr. Junt. I still remember everything he did for me. Um, he told me that he like, he previously, uh, worked in Texas, uh, some Texan city where there was a lot of crime. And he mentioned he'd done this surgery many, many times before. Um, and he was able to, uh, stitch my bones back together with, uh, with some screws and and titanium plates that are that you can kind of feel if you like feel my eyebrow or around my eye. Um, and did a great job, like wasn't wasn't super invasive. And he was able to do me some some favors because I was, was paying for the surgery <laughs> anyway. So should have seen me before the accident. That's all I'm saying. Um and I was able, like my friends were were super there for me. Um throughout this whole situation like uh grant stayed with me in the hospital for um about about the whole time i was there he was in and out um and i was i was visited by some other friends uh and my friend who uh he and i had this uh this race with so i was very grateful for the people that that surrounded me at the time
0: yeah it's good to have that support when you're when you're hurting you know not not to feel abandoned have, right. that, have your friends sort of follow through that whole experience with you.
1: Yeah, super grateful.
0: So you got a diagnosis from the from from urgent care. They fixed you up, and then, you know, how how long did it take you to peel from that physically, physically heal?
1: Um, that's a good question. There, are, you know, there there's different elements of um, of of healing. I was 22 at the time, and after the surgery like maybe two days i was just kind of like bedridden and like not doing much but after that i felt like my energy had greatly returned to me and like you know if you know if if, if i wasn't cleared or if if i was cleared for activity that i would maybe i would maybe like try to do some light jogging or, or something like that um but I went back home, uh, back in Iowa, where I grew up, uh, to recover for about a month and a half and, and just did some, like, some some random work here and there. Uh, and it was about two months before I got back on the rock. And that was, that was like the last uh, element of healing that would come into place is um, like the, the kind of fear that I had, like just no under, underlying fear of, of falling. And, uh, I remember the first, the first, uh, route back, I, I was outside. I wasn't like where there was a gym anywhere nearby, which would have been preferable looking back. Um, but I like, I fell and I, I screamed and I'm like, Oh, that's not like me. (laughs) So it took quite a bit of acclimating to feel, to feel comfortable, uh,
0: getting over sort of that mental barrier.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And being, being comfortable on rock again.
0: What advice do you have for people who are in the same boat as you?
1: Um, who are in the same boat as me. Um, so people who are um, maybe new to climbing or way too stoked for their own good. <laughs> I would say um, probably the biggest lesson is it's not over until it's over. Like a lot of times, you know, you could you can let your guard down after, what you've talked up to be the main event is over. And for me, i had like, I'd climb the 12, like my job was done. Like my attention, uh, my attention had had gone away. My attention went to like telling my friend that I'd (laughs) I'd beaten him. Um,
0: Do you mean like when you had made it to the chains at the end of the route and you're still on belay, but you're up at the top and you had just like finished? Yeah. um, like climbing the route you're at the chains and you're like okay i'm done like i did it you mean in in that moment or do you mean when you had come down to the ground
1: um i would say it was it was more so when i'm when i reached the chains like that Mm -hmm. that was the the goal and that is an example of safety becoming a secondary value to uh to accomplishment at least in this case and it can come second to A lot of things in climbing like having fun or like relationships with friends um but you you can't compromise that like really
0: right yeah it's like it's like you know if you climb a if you summit a peak you know and you're standing there on on the very top and you're looking around like oh my gosh i did it i'm done but you still have to go all the way down you still (laughs) have to get to the bottom of of the mountain safely and back to the car safely. So it's really you're only halfway there at that point, you know. And it's the same thing for, you know, climbing a five twelve B or a five eight. It doesn't matter. Like you're, you know, once you're at the top of the climb at the end of the pitch, you know, it's still so important to maintain really good communication with your belayer and stay focused because you still have to get back to the bottom of the climb. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and even you know, even to the bottom of the climb, uh, it's not over. Even when you get to the car, sometimes it's not over. Like most of the accidents, at least climbing happen on the way down. And I heard a statistic one time that like more climbers die driving to and from climbing destinations than they do climbing. So Texting you know, and
0: driving, looking at Mountain Project on the right, on the highway. Navigating. No, it's true. It's totally true. I mean, we get so complacent, you know. Yep. So when you're when you're walking up to your driveway after a long day of, of climbing and you're you're almost home. Like you're you're in your driveway, but then you slip and fall, you know.
1: Right, yeah. It's exhausting, but until you're you're in bed with the lights off, keep your guard up. Yeah. Um yeah, another Another lesson uh, I think that I've learned or that how this um, accident has impacted me is I, I was just on an approach the other day. It was a walk-off. Um, kept my helmet on because um, there was some snow, there was some ice, you know, and I, I know what can happen after you reach the top, like just because something above you isn't any longer a threat doesn't mean other things are Um, and I would say maybe lastly um, it's good to have competent people with you Uh, my partner did a lot of things right Um, he he was able to like assess my injuries um, and make a prudential judgment whether we should just call it or like whether it would be fine to like to move me or for me to move um, and also just taking a different path. Like my partner, uh, you know, he didn't know it at the time, but it, it could have been a pivotal life decision. Just, just taking, taking a more mild path.
0: Well, why did you take that path?
1: Why did I take that path? Yeah. Cause, he, um,
0: cause your partner didn't, right? Your partner took a different way,
1: right? You know? Yeah. He took a different way. And I, I continue to ask myself that question today. It wasn't smart. Like, I don't, I don't really have a defense for for my decision-making
0: which way did he go
1: um so if you're looking at the crag it's kind of like it, it's a lot more developed now the trail um but he he took lookers right um but if you're you're facing away from the cliff it's it's kind of like down into the left and it hits a switch switch back before it goes uh towards the exit trail
0: is that more of an established trail that he took on the descent
1: um it was more gradual yeah i'll say that um I guess, I guess to me at the time, both ways looked, uh, perfectly Used. fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting that in that moment on your descent, you know, you had just ticked off this project that you've been working on. So you're feel you're probably feeling good. You're feeling good about yourself. You know, you're, maybe your ego is, is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's your ego stroked. Can we say that? And then you know, you're feeling powerful, you're feeling like very accomplished. And then, you know, you're, you're just not, your head is, is somewhere else. Your head is in your success. And so you've kind of forgotten about, okay, now we have to get down. And then that rock just came loose in your hand and lost your balance and you fell. And that's, yeah, that, that one moment of, of sort of not paying attention. That's when the accident happened. Right.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: Oh, that's fascinating.
1: Um, so, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, my main takeaway from it, from the experience, you know, if, if I could go back and change anything, um, it's kind of that there are three three components, I would say, that can make for a great day out. And that's having knowledge, experience, and what I would call stoke or enjoyment. Um and like you can't you can't let those kind of be out of proportion cuz like you can have the knowledge to do something maybe you've never done it so you might not know how that knowledge applies experience helps you implement that knowledge and excitement and enjoyment stoke like helps you just enjoy it and at the time my stoke was out of proportion <laughs> it was compromising um uh, because I didn't have a lot of experience uh, approaching or coming away from a crag, a lot of knowledge doing that. And I think that if I had um, said to myself, like, Hey, like it's good that I'm, I like have goals here. It's good that I'm having fun here, but maybe before I commit myself to, to something that, that might actually take a little bit more knowledge or experience, maybe I, I start small. Maybe I like I change my context a little bit from the people that I was normally climbing with, and like uh, take those small steps to get to where I wanted to get to so quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. More intentional progression. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, Joe. That's really great advice. So mentally, how have you been processing the recovery?
1: Um. So it was four years ago now. Um like I feel a lot more comfortable on rock. Um I feel uh a lot more comfortable um picking out projects and uh safely getting there, safely getting away. Um I do make decisions to uh stay out of the way of busy crags or um crags that might have uh a less than ideal belay stance. Or path to get there. Um, but I also am a little bit more equipped with knowledge and experience that allows me to, to feel comfortable in those places. Um, it was a little bit of a an emotionally tumultuous relationship for a little bit, just to like um, to try hard again, um, because it was kind of associated with in my mind, um, getting in an accident. And uh, it definitely can. Um, So I keep my guard up. You know, I I make sure my gear is good, and um, I still climb. So. um, And you remember
0: that it's not over until it's over.
1: And I remember it's not over until it's over. Yep. Yeah. You know, climbing is climbing is you know life is fragile. Um, You know, climbing can. Climbing is one of those things that helps you appreciate that. This experience did for me. Um, and it's the reason why I climb. I mean, that realization that that life is fragile is, is the reason why I climb cautiously, but it's also the re- reason why I still do. Uh, because <laughs> you only get one. Um, and it's an amazingly inspiring and uh, exciting opportunity to to go places and do things that many other people wouldn't try.
0: Thank you so much to Rocky Talkie and the American Alpine Club for believing in my show. Many of the guests I've had on the show have saved money on their remote rescue just by being a member of the American Alpine Club. Learn all about the member benefits on the American Alpine Club website. Visit AmericanAlpineClub.org to learn more and join today. And again, please show your support by financially backing this podcast on Patreon or PayPal. A little bit goes a long way. And as always, remember, play hard and be smart.